0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Yi. Liver cancer is the eighth most common cancer in Malaysia and it can be deadly when it has spread to an advanced stage. But what can be done for liver cancer at the early stages? Today I'm speaking to two experts in interventional radiology, Dr. Alex Tang from Subang Jaya Medical Center and Assistant Professor Nucha Pinjaron, interventional radiologist from Chulalongkorn University in Thailand joining us from Zoom. And we'll be talking about a procedure called transarterial chemoembolization or Taste for short, which targets chemotherapy directly to the tumour in the liver. And we'll be talking about how that can improve outcomes for patients with liver cancer. And uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Dr. Alex in the studio and Prof. Nucha on Zoom. How are the both of you today?
0: Wonderful, thank you. I'm fine, thank you.
1: So uh, perhaps some basics about liver cancer, uh, just to refresh uh, for our listeners today, what exactly is liver cancer, Dr. Alex? And uh, in the Malaysian context, what are the most common causes that lead to the development of liver cancer?
2: Well, liver cancer is uh, cancer deriving primarily from the liver cells. And uh, generally in the liver, we have the two spectrum of disease. One is primarily liver cancer, which is essentially hepatocellular carcinoma, which is derived from the liver cancer cell. The other one is we call it cholangiocarcinoma, which derives from the bowel ducts. Second group would be metastasis, which means that the tumour spread from other organs. And today we are dealing with this uh, hepatocellular carcinoma, or primary liver cancer, which is quite a common disease. It's ranked number five in the world. In Malaysia, as you have rightly pointed out, it's number eight in the list, by rank number five, and uh, I know incident uh, last year was about 2,000 over cases. The main causes of this are essentially hepatitis B related and large proportion from hepatitis C, which are more common in uh, Japan. Uh, Other causes would be essentially uh, chronic alcohol consumption or some uh, underlying liver diseases which cause hardening of liver, we call it liver cirrhosis or certain uh, foodstuffs which produce aflatoxin. I think ever since the initiations of the hepatitis B vaccination in 1980, more people are vaccinated. We are seeing less incidence of this disease in the younger group of patients. However, there is another trend which is developing uh, quite fast, that is fatty liver. And the large group of patients of this are at the risk of developing liver cancer. So, you look at the incidence 20, 30 years down the line, we see less cases from the hepatitis B-deleted. Uh, HCC, but there will be an increase in incidence of liver cancer from a fatty liver.
1: That's not looking good for us.
2: Well, essentially, we really need to look at lifestyles and how to optimise the, the dietary control, especially young child. I've seen the child at the age of 8 or 10, the liver, when it came to us for ultrasound is as white as other organs. And, and that's not very good. This mm-hmm. is because of consumption of a lot of foodstuff, which are actually not good for long term. Yeah. And, um, it's not
1: something you can uh, take a jab uh, to, to no, eliminate, is no, it? So no. that needs some uh, uh, major behavioral changes among us. But uh, if I can turn to Prof. Nucha Please. for very briefly the picture of liver cancer in Thailand, perhaps? In Thailand, uh, hepatocellular
0: carcinoma is a major problem. Uh, it's ranked within five uh, rank, uh, in female and male cancer in Thailand but the the is this the number one uh, cancer related death for thai people and for in thailand uh, liver cancer we 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 uh, in data collection we cannot separate uh, about the liver cancer and the uh, cholangiocarcinoma based on our national data system but but so that's why this is the number one because we also have the hepatocellular carcinoma and in Thailand, carcinoma is a big problem
1: too. When it comes to prognosis in Malaysia, Dr. Alex, um, what are patients' survivals and outcomes like and how do we link that to the stage at which they're being treated or, or present?
2: Well, when it comes to the survival in this group of patients, there are a few factors which we need to look at. Number one, the disease burden, which means at the stage of disease. If you follow the international classification which we commonly use, we divide them into very early, early, intermediate and advanced. Um, the other issue which you need to address is that in the liver cancer, we are not only dealing with one disease. We are dealing with another group of disease which is liver cirrhosis or hardening of liver which is frequently compounding to the survivor. If you have chronic hepatitis B, chronic hep- uh, hepatitis C, all uh, alcoholism and then in the present the background uh, uh, cirrhosis that was seriously compounding to the efficacy of treatment the treatment morality and uh, survival outcome mm. generally by the uh, international standard we are we are look at the disease state very early have a very good survival 80-90% over 5 years and then early stage we are talking about 70-80% uh, come to intermediate, that was subject to the uh, disease burden as well as the background liver function. Of course, those in the w- Western country, they're seeing the liver cancer arising in uh, normal liver, which de novo. So usually after liver resection, they do very well. But in our population, the majority have liver cirrhosis. So that, in a way, we are looking at fire survival of or Perhaps the other way down, they call it the intermediate stage survival, you're looking at 24 to 48 months. Mm. In the advanced disease, you're looking at less than eight months. And those uh, uh, stage four, or perhaps very extensive cases, we are looking at three months survival. So actually, it is a very scary uh, 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 disease, and a lot of patients succumb to the disease very early. On the other hand, I think the current development is tremendous and which we're going to go into it in a bit more detail how we circumvent. And in the last five years, we have seen a total kind of like change of the landscape of what we can do. And a lot of patients with very advanced disease actually are surviving quite well.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Prof. Nucha, perhaps we can get from you the bigger picture first of um, uh, what have been uh, typically, the treatment options for liver cancer. And then from there, maybe then Dr. Alex can start to talk about the advances, especially in interventional radiology.
0: Okay. Uh, in the overview of uh, hepatocellular carcinoma treatment, uh, usually we need a multidisciplinary approach, ranging from surgical approach, interventional radiology approach, to uh, systemic oncology or the medical oncology approach. And uh, the, there are two compa- components, like Dr. Alex mentioned, that will guide our treatment. One is the tumour burden. The second one, which is uh, important, as same as the tumour burden, is the liver function status. So even you have the small tumour, but if your liver function is very poor, maybe your treatment option is very limited. Why For small tumour nowadays, we have so many means for curative intent for the treatment. So the early stage, uh, the patient that came to us uh, with small tumour, right now we can control it very well for a long time. Five-year or 10-year survival can be expected. And that kind of patient, uh, the other disease, which is the liver cirrhosis, will play its role in the long-term prognosis of the patient. But for the intermediate stage patient, when the patient has a large or multi-nodular tumor, uh, the major treatment is trans-arterial treatment, which is one of our interventional radiology treatment. And if uh, the tumor can downsizing to surgical resection, this is the better option uh, for the next step for curative intent. But if not, we can control trans-arterial treatment which uh we can put so many things like chemotherapeutic agent or radiation or embolization, or Dr. Alex used the alcohol to like then mm, chemical agents to to burn down the tumor that's that is working too. And the patient that's more advanced, far beyond the trans treatment, will go to systemic treatment, which is the target therapy uh, mostly or immunotherapy. And the other option is liver transplantation. Uh, liver transpa- transplantation can cure uh, both uh, hepatocellular carcinoma and also liver cirrhosis. But there is quite a strict criteria for the patient who fit for liver transplantation. You have to have the small tumor burden because uh, otherwise the prognosis after transplant is this uh, small as well. So the criteria is very rigid for the transplantation.
1: So what we want to talk about today in more detail is the term that we've already started to introduce, transarterial chemoembolization. Sounds very technical, but uh, as I've been reading about it, it's Really exciting as well in the way it's uh, so precise uh, and able to deliver the treatment directly to where it's most needed, where the tumour is. We'll come back from a quick break to find out more about this procedure called TASE and who would be appropriate for it, and what kinds of outcomes uh, can we get from it for patients with liver cancer. I'm speaking today to Dr. Alex Tang, consultant vascular and interventional radiologist from Subang Jaya Medical Centre, and Assistant Professor Nucha Pinjarone, interventional radiologist from Chulalongkorn University, joining us all the way from Thailand. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on Health and Living BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Ik. Joining me on the show today, two interventional radiologists, Dr. Alex Tang from Subang Jaya Medical Center and Assistant Professor Nucha Pinjaron from Chulalongkorn University, Thailand. They're both experts uh, in this field and particularly in a procedure called Transarterial Chemoembolization or TACE, TACE for short, which uh, we're discussing in the context of uh, treating. Liver cancer. We've gotten a picture of how liver cancer is very common in Malaysia as well as in Thailand, mostly in, uh, in, in the sort of uh, Eastern Asian region, uh, with poor outcomes if it's in the advanced stages. But we are starting to hear about advances in treatment methods uh, that can make things look better, not only for patients uh, in the early stages, which is, of course, when we want all cancers to be treated, preferably, but also perhaps in the later stages of the cancer. Dr. Alex, um, before the break, Prof. Nucha gave us that big picture, right? She touched on the different um, weapons in your arsenal that you could use to treat liver cancer. It could be surgery to resect the liver and then you use methods like taste, um, you know, and if... Uh, that doesn't work. You'll be looking at systemic therapy like targeted therapy. But let's zoom in on the transarterial chemoembolization. Um, perhaps you want to start by explaining, you know, how interventional radiology comes into cancer treatment uh, and then explain what taste is.
2: Well, uh, interventional radiology is a very sub minimally invasive field in the modern uh, precision medicine. I think the use of the interventional radiology technique, which is essentially a treatment exercise guided by the use of advanced diagnostic machine, the ultrasound, CT scan, MRI, and angiography system. With this technique, actually, we do not cut open a patient. It's a essentially surgical-free exercise. We have a few natural pathways in the body where you can access to the tumour. We pinpoint precision. By using this advanced technique, we are able to guide a needle or a tube or a catheter into the target organ precisely. With regard to the taste or transarterial chemoembolization, it's a treatment of navigating a tiny tube through the artery, either through the artery at the groin or over the wrist. And once you enter the artery, the arteries are interconnected in the whole body. It can either go up north to the brain or go down south to the lake. Or for a daily, we do a lot of the treatment of the fibroid. And it encompasses a wide variety of the treatment exercise. Perhaps there are uh, about two, 300 procedures we can do with this. And it uh, covers both from treatment of cancer, unblocking the artery, retrieving the blood clot from the brain, and of course the cardiologist will be doing that coronary angioplasty and standing. Mm-hmm. The other... Technique which we can use in the uh, interventional radiology treatment is by navigating a needle or a device or antenna into the organ of interest. In particularly in the treatment of the cancer, we do procedure we call it thermal ablation or cryoablation. Thermal ablation essentially is to kill the tumor using heat. Cryoablation is to freeze the tumor using uh, cold. Mm-hmm. In the thermal ablation, there are two techniques which uh, we use. There is, one is radio frequency ablation. Essentially, it's a needle, uh, which is a, some ba- a, a bare tip, and then we insert a needle through the centre of the tumour and connect to a generator. And that it will generate heat around the needle tip and it can kill the tumour that way. Mm. Currently, in the last five years, we have evolved toward the use of microwave uh, energy. That's the same design, the same kind of uh, needle, about uh, 1 mm in diameter. We insert across the tumour and connect to the, the generator, and then we can create a larger burn that's much more effective and, and uh, efficacious and much lower incidence recurrent. Back to the treatment of liver cancer. I would like to share this paper which published in the year 2015 from the University of Malaya by Professor Kialgo. The, the title was Liver Cancer in Malaysia, talking about staging of the liver cancer. In this paper, the stage A, which is early cancer, it encompass, encompass 34.5%, which is only one-third of the pa- patients in, uh, in this country, are detected to have early cancer. 21.6%, one-fifth of them are intermediate stage, which is between early and advanced. Well, stage C is those who got advantages but still confined to the liver, all right? That's 24.1%. And stage D, which is advanced beyond treatable range or spread out of the liver, is 19.8%. So if you combine the two advantages, stage C and D, you're talking about almost 50%. And you uh, classify Stage B, C, and D, that's 65.5%. Two, almost two-thirds are considered non-curative uh, uh, range already. So it's quite dismal to see this of statistic in Malaysia. And in this paper, it has specifically pointed out that a large proportion of the Indian and Chinese Malay patients presented a stage D disease, 44.7%, mm-hmm. which is very sad. Coming back to the... T- treatment options, we are actually guided by the stage of disease. Stage A, early disease, you have essentially uh, two range of options. One is surgical resection of the tumour, which we call hepatectomy. The other option is local ablative treatment by the current uh, recommendation, which means that we we ablate the tumour using RFA or microwave. I think 15 years ago, when I spoke to my colleague who is a consultant liver surgeon, they would say, show us your evidence that your microwave or RFA will do better than surgery in terms of the survival outcome. And now we have enough case or perhaps clinical trial has proven that the survival outcome of microwave ablation and RFA in early liver cancer are equivalent to the Open surgery. Mm-hmm. And the good thing is that these microarray ablation or RFA can be, it's because it's just a needle puncture. About 90% of my cases are done under local anesthetic and sedation. They come in today, you get the burn, the next day you go home, probably uh, two or three days now, like you are back to your normal daily life. Mm-hmm. You can back to work very next week as compared to liver resection which you probably will be grounded for six weeks to three Because it's open surgery. Yes, it's mm. a big surgery. Mm. So <clears throat> currently in stage A, local ablation using uh, microwave or uh, this RFA has become a mainstay all over the world. A lot of patients go for this uh, ablation rather than uh, liver resection. But mm. well, I would, uh, have to emphasize that all these treatment options, you need to be kind of like decided by a team of consultants, we call it MDT team, multidisciplinary team, to decide what's best for the patient. Mm -hmm. Of course, the patient should know their option and what are the best and what are the minimally invasive techniques which they can get Mm -hmm. in order to have a better clinical outcome. Mm -hmm. And the good thing with this local ablation is that you can repeat it as many times as you want as long as the liver function is still preserved, Okay. And uh, because each time you burn the tumor, you're only burning a small area. We use it for up to five CM in size, and perhaps if you have two or three or four lesions, you can burn at one go you're not much issue.
1: So you right? target wherever Yes, the these spots are right? very
2: precise under ultrasound and CT guidance. Mm. And we can we know on table that whether we have completed the ablation by doing a contrast study.
1: So where does taste come in? Because that's that burning the come
2: to the mm. intermediate stage. Um, Nucha, do you want to deliver it on this?
0: Yes, uh, I think ablation is uh, one of the key changer treatment for early, uh, early stage or early intermediate stage, SCC. Because like I said that uh, the liver cancer has uh, two disease, one is the tumor and one is the liver disease. And ablation is why it's curative treatment, but it's also will preserve your liver function, your uh, health in general, because it's very, mi- very minimal invasive. Even when, when the patient has surgery, they lost a lot of normal liver parenchyma. While ablation users lost only a little parenchyma around the tumor mass, that's why we can keep uh, the patient's liver function for long-term prognosis, much more better than repeated surgery. All right. And uh, where does taste come in? Taste uh like for for small oligo lesions, uh is ablation is ablation or surgery is the first option. Uh but when it's come to large and multi-nodular lesions, so that's why taste payrolls uh, for that kind of the patient. In in Thailand, um, uh, in the national uh data we, we may have like more than 50 percent of patients come with the intermediate stage and around 30% come with advanced stage. But if we focus in Bangkok area, the patient is more uh, well-educated and uh, pay attention on their health status. We got uh, about one third of the patient come with early stage. So that's why uh, this kind of patient, we can treat them effectively and we can expect the long-term outcome. So key of the liver cancer treatment one is you have to promote the screening in the high-risk population in order to get the early state patient coming in.
1: Absolutely. Um, so if we look at, uh, at least in Malaysia, we are still looking at the bigger burden uh, within the intermediate and later stages. Um, Dr. Alex, you want to uh, explain how TACE has potentially changed uh, the nature of things?
2: TACE was first developed in 19... 19- Seventy nine, and the first paper was published in nineteen eighty three from Japan. It was the Japanese who come up with this new innovative technology, <laughs> and uh, it was actually in the controversy stage. Um, a lot of query whether this prolong survival that have a better clinical outcome, and if the sur- uh, patient uh, come. Um, if it cannot be treated, then they put on a system chemotherapy. One thing with this liver cancer is that they are quite actually resistant to the standard chemotherapy, like other cancers. So a lot of patients did not have much benefit from that. That's how the Japanese come up with this local regional treatment where they deliver chemo drug directly to the tumour. And it was only in 2012, there was a paper published in the West and the East with a clinical control trial has proven that taste actually have good survival benefit. That's how it become a standard of care for an intermediate liver cancer. What's taste? is essentially as what we have discussed today is to navigate a catheter through the artery into the liver, the hepatic artery, and we would need to localise on where the tumour is and deliver a mixture of the chemo drugs with what we call embolic uh, material. There are many versions of taste or perhaps transarterial treatment for liver cancer now. The conventional one used by Japan, the Japanese are uh, mixing the chemo drug with a type of the oil which is deriving from the poppy seed, we call the, the periodo. It's an oil-based material where, interestingly, it's taken out by the liver cancer cell. And with that, the moment they deliver a chemo drug with this uh, uh, epidor, it will deposit the tumour. And the operator has to be, or perhaps the IR has to be very precise that they could let all the blood supply to a tumour and completely devascular the tumour to achieve a good clinical outcome.
1: Devascular?
2: Yes, devascular. That means you cut off the whole blood supply. You have completely blocked the blood supply to the tumour in order to achieve the clinical outcome.
1: Why do we want to block the blood
2: supply? In the liver cancer, the, you have to understand that the primary treatment, the chemo drug, is a second, lead, uh, 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 has second effect. It doesn't cure the tumour like the breast cancer, the colon cancer. It has partial effects. What really kills the tumour is a cut of blood supply. The moment it cut the blood supply, the tumour will die. Adding the chemo drug, we had adjunctive effect by improving the clinical outcome. So that is using the oil-based material. I think in the uh, early uh, two thousand ten, the European country came up with a new innovative technique by mixing instead of this chemo drug with the oil, they tack it on. Uh, this is small, small, tiny medical plastic uh, beads. We call it drug eluting beads. It's a small sphere made of the non-degradable, uh, biological, the compatible, non-degradable material. And they put a surface coating on that. Then we can mix the chemo drug with it, and by delivering the tumor and. That were slowly releasing the chemo drug into the tumour right. by reducing a side effect and achieve a clinical outcome. Mm. This initially came with a great enthusiasm, but the final clinical trial came out and said that it had certain advantage but had no survival benefit. So now we are back to case dependence. Some go for CTAS conventional taste, some go for drug-irriting weak taste, and it has, it's case-dependent to get a, clinic, a better clinical outcome. Mm-hmm. With regard to the use of this technology, the Japanese, they are seeing very early liver cancer. They have been using taste to treat early liver cancer, and they have this micro technique which can go in very super-selectively to jab out the tumour and achieve a curative uh, uh, intent. Similarly, we are doing the same. But in general, nowadays with the advance of local ablation, microwave especially, we are treating more and more of this early cancer, small cancer by burning it off rather than doing a taste. In patients who are not suitable for taste, like those very borderline liver function or those areas where your needle cannot put it in safely or is sitting next to the heart or in the uh, bowel, then we use a taste to treat early liver cancer or small liver cancer.
1: Oh, so those are patients for whom ablation would not be suitable. Yes. Mm. Okay. Mm.
2: On the other hand, we use taste in the larger tumour. It could be as big as 20 cm. Okay. And the role of taste in this situation are number one. If you can achieve a complete ablation with curative, then they'll be good. we come to this later. But in general, it's for the palliative technique. Control tumour, to the best extent so that it doesn't progress or perhaps it doesn't rupture or perhaps if you can downsize it to convert them especially a giant liver cancer control them, grow the other part of the liver to a better stage then go in surgically resect it that's what the Professor Nuchat mentioned downstage a tumour for the liver resection there are a third treatment option where you can go through the artery to deliver this drug is we call it uh, SIRT, Selective Internal Radiation Therapy. You know radiation therapy, conventionally, by the, the radiotherapists are doing external beam radiation, mm-hmm. right? What we do is uh, we inject a radioactive material we call it 90, which emit beta ray directly into a tumour, and they will trap into the tumour by this special bead that comes with it, and it emit the beta ray to cure the tumours over a few weeks. These are also pretty effective. The only shortcoming is very expensive. And in Malaysia, we have a lot of logistic constraints constraint because usually when we assess a patient suitable for a disease, we have to wait for the, the, the radioactive material, e to be imported, which takes about three weeks, and the interval delay may result in a patient with suitable because of the interval delay, the disease progression, it becomes not suitable. Mm. So that boils down to what we do, use more immediate, uh, uh, perhaps easily available in this country, it would be the usual taste using the dipyroid oil or drug irritating bit. Especially for a bigger cancer, we realise that this drug irritating bit and the usual oil dipyroid taste, it does not work that optimally. As so over the year, I have came up actually I came up with a new formula. We use alcohol, pure alcohol. It's not those alcohol you go for yamsing. It's a pure medical alcohol. We have certain very stringent criteria and the, the, the mixture technique and deliver technique where we can deliver right to the center of the tumor. We kill the tumor with alcohol, and we clear the margin with other drugs, and we have seen actually very good clinical outcome. And a lot of patients actually benefited from this. And that's why we are doing training classes for a lot of IR locally and internationally on how to achieve a better clinical outcome.
1: We'll go for a quick break and come back to discuss side effects and try to address what concerns patients usually have with a procedure like TACE. My guests today are Dr Alex Tang from Subang Jaya Medical Centre and Assistant Prof Nucha Pinjaroen from Chulalongkorn University in Thailand. They're both interventional radiologists talking about advances in the treatment of liver cancer. Stay tuned to Health and Living BFM 89.9. Welcome to Health and Living. I'm T. Shao Ik with my guests, Dr. Alex Tang from Subang Jaya Medical Center and Assistant Prof. Nucha Pinjaroan from Chulalongkorn University in Thailand, both interventional radiologists. Today, we're discussing liver cancer and the various methods that interventional radiology can now offer for the treatment of this disease, um, for which outcomes have previously been um, poorer for patients diagnosed with it. Prof. Nucha, uh, we've been talking about transarterial chemoembolization or taste and I think the key word with something like that is precision, right? Being able to target the area where the tumor is and delivering um, you know, chemotherapy and, and all of that, that directly to that area. So I guess, you know, then, uh, you know, with the method like that, in terms of benefits for patients, right, survival, um, outcomes, even side effects, what is the picture like when you're using taste? So uh, precision is the the key
0: of the treatment success. And if you look back in the published data about tests before 2000, uh, and after 2000, the survival uh, outcome of tests is much better than before because uh, the precision of the treatment is much more better. The precision of treatment is depends on the angiography machine and the navigation system. The better uh, Mapping of the vascular structure that directly goes to the tumour will help us better planning for the treatment. So with an advanced uh, machine and advanced software application that can help us target which vessels that we need to put the chemotherapy, put the agent and also block that vessels and also avoid the normal branches that directly to the normal liver parenchyma as much as possible together we will increase the effectiveness of the chemotherapeutic drug and embolization YP serve the normal liver parenchyma and less uh, and making the side effect less uh, for the normal parenchyma embolization the liver is the the special organs that uh, embolization can play the major roles other organs like brain or lungs or breast or even uh, intestine, Uh, you cannot embolize all the vessels because they also supply the normal cells as well. And the function of that organ will, uh, uh, will not working anymore and you will die because of the complication. But liver is specific organ special because it has two blood supply system. One is from hepatic artery, mostly goes to the liver tumors. And the other circulations is portal vein uh, It get by supply from all the intestine. When you eat anything, uh, it's absorbed in the portal vein and goes to the tumor. So the portal vein normally uh, supply the normal liver parenchyma. So that's why we can embolize the certain part of the liver with the embolization through hepatic artery. Why the normal parenchyma still get the blood supply from the portal vein. So this is the, why the liver is the special organ that chemo embolization
1: can uh, help the, the patient with liver cancer. Prof Nucha mentioned you can reduce side effects, but Dr Alex, are there still side effects for patients?
2: Well, in terms of the procedure-related uh, side effects or complications, we have to look, for, look at a few perspectives. Number one, if the liver is strong, usually we are quite comfortable. The side effect essentially is, to related, uh, is related to the, the tumour lysis or curing of the tumour. The patient may feel tired for a week or so. They may have some effect of vomiting, uh, some low-grade fever, or perhaps uh, some appetite will be uh, poor, and these are easily circumvented by supportive treatment. There may be some pain, especially the bigger tumour. And I always tell the patient, no pain, no gain. Those painless and feeling very comfortable and don't feel anything, usually don't work that well as compared with those with uh, some symptoms. The other group of the, the side effects you are thinking of is the effect of chemotherapy drugs we are using. It is related to the dose and the choice of the chemo drug. There are quite a few variety of chemo drug we use. Some may cause some hair loss. Some may cause some the bone marrow suppression. The white cell may drop. All these are actually quite easy to convince. The good thing is that when we do taste, we are doing super selective, like laser-guided uh, missile technology. We hit at the, the, the point. You do not use the drug as comparing a systemic treatment. Yeah. Usually systemic treatment, they use polypharmacy, four or five types of drug or three types of drug. And the side effect, of course, is much more paramount compared with one or two types of drugs at a much lower dose. The third group of side effects are perhaps complications you're aware of the liver reserve. When the liver is reserved, it's limited. We have to be very careful and be very selective. We don't do the taste rampantly and uh, those non-selective uh, the, uh, embolization. Both side of the liver are actually quite daunting to see some patient may have liver failures as a result of that that is related to a technical competency mm-hmm. of the interventional radiologist who does a procedure mm-hmm. so these are uh, things which we have look at and the uh, IR has to assess a patient in great detail, in collaboration with your uh, colleagues, especially the liver specialists, hepatologists, gastroenterologists, like surgeons, and oncologists, on coming out to a more amenable treatment strategy. Talking about this, especially in the intermediate or those a bit more advanced diseases, Taste can be used in advanced disease as well. We use it for local regional control, prevention of complication. And that perhaps there are quite a fair number of cases, even though they're considered advanced, we can actually put them into remission. Believe me, it's true. Mm-hmm. Right. This will need to come to a new strategy which have actually we have uh, come into it. All, the whole world is actually moving toward this direction. And all new clinical trials are ongoing to establish the effect. What I can share here is our clinical experience in the last five years. We do see a change of landscape. If you use a single morality treatment taste in treatment of liver cancer, the chance of recurrence and failure rate is always there. And it could be quite high, especially those more advanced diseases. But when we compare with systemic treatment, now there is a strong enthusiasm moving toward the use of a, a systemic treatment, which means use oral medication, right? Like lenvatinib. Previously, the first generation sorafenib because it has too much side effect and the result was quite. Uh, Um, disappointing, so a lot of people move toward the use of next generation targeted drug, we call it which is a better clinical outcome but this levantinum the response rate is also only about 30% and most of the patients, after 3 or 6 months, you you develop resistance and become not suitable so it may give you a temporary control but ultimately the tumour will progress the other group of systemic treatment will be immunotherapy which is the oncologists are very enthusiastic into it. And even that, the general response rate is also about 30%. And some paper have uh, de-analyzed clinical trial. They're talking about 48.5%. You have to remember our 100 patients, about half to 70% do not respond to this treatment. And that is actually very expensive treatment. So we actually look at it in a more objective manner. Those who really can't tolerate taste, with no choice to put them on systemic treatment, those can tolerate taste would encourage use combination treatment by combining the lenvatinib or the oral medicine or the immunotherapy with taste, and we see a total change of landscape.
1: Who would not be able to tolerate taste, though?
2: Those with very poor liver reserve, mm, right? right. Those with very advanced digits which is already <laughs> probably 80%, 90% of liver has been eaten up by the tumour. Those are cases like very severe allergy to the iodine or those contrasts we are using, right? Kidney function, those are very poor kidney functions. So you have to be very careful when you tip them into dialysis and other major complications. Or certain patients, the platelet or white cells are too low to take any chemotherapy so these are a the of patient we have to look at it and of course one common thing which a lot of people have oversight is ongoing infection somewhere all right right or some some of the tumor may be infected and then you can't taste them you're going to make them worse i see so the the ir and the, perhaps the medical team has to be very diligent in case selection mm. okay
1: Prof. Nucha, um, would multiple rounds of taste be required for some patients and is that actually possible or safe?
0: Uh, Yes. Uh, It depends on how much tumour have the patient got for high tumour burden. like I I think for uh, around 5 to 8 centimetres single lesion, we can control with single treatment effectively. But for uh, much more tumor than that, maybe bigger than that, or multi-nodular lesions, maybe we need more than one session to control all the tumor. Uh, so we set it separate at least uh, four to six weeks apart, and then we re- 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 evaluate the treatment based on imaging. But in my clinical experience, case is quite well-tolerated. Even the patient uh, in 80s or almost ninety they can tolerate tests very well and but but key of the uh clinical success uh, uh in terms of complication one is the uh precision of the treatment like i mentioned and the other one is uh, some uh operative techniques that can you can reduce the pain for the patient in the operating theater or you can choose something else like that be test or S I R Y90 has a lot of pain uh, after the treatment. So we can discuss uh, with the patient beforehand. Uh, so if they have the bad experience uh, from the first treatment, maybe
1: we switch to other form of transadrial treatment. There could be options. Um, just very quickly, Dr. Alex, recovery after taste and in terms of what kind of follow-ups the patient would need?
2: Recovery essentially the first few days as I mentioned earlier, they feel a bit tired. There may be some pain, some low grade fever. And usually after the procedure, if you go through the groin, artery of the groin, you may need to rest on a bed for about six or eight hours. And after that you can come down and mobilize. If you go through the radial artery, then you can mobilize quite immediately. But generally during procedure we give them enough sedation. So we prefer them to rest and abate for a few hours until they are fully alert before they get down. Uh, appetite is a bit we are poor sometimes and uh, hydration is very important. We emphasize to them that they have to get enough uh, fluid supplements either through a drip or drinking or the other thing is that some paracetamol for fever or pain control and some antibody recover. Generally, within one week, they are back to what they are. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's actually quite, it's minimally invasive and patients feel quite comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And I always warn them, some patients may have hair loss on two or three weeks down the line, but they, that will come back. After a week, generally they are quite, uh, they are back to the, the usual shell. Mm-hmm. Unless the liver function is very weak, unless there's a secondary complication like mm-hmm. infection. right? Um, Fatigue-wise, uh, big tumor may have a longer recovery. Small tumor, like microwave or uh, those days uh, five six cm, they actually feel quite comfortable.
1: Mm. Right, Prof. Nucha, um, have you heard um, of other concerns from patients? Almost of my
0: patient, they ask about the dietary control during the treatment, uh, which uh, I advise them not to take any like herbal medicine or any non like standard medical treatment because that kind of treatment may precipitate the hepatitis like your liver uh, get hepatitis because of some uh, medicine that the doctor did not prescribe for them and that may affect the treatment directly because if you if you have hepatitis actively maybe we have to cancel the, the test procedure.
1: That is potentially a a problem, right, among our um, uh, Asian cultures, the the use of herbal treatment.
2: To add on what uh, Prof. has said, um, there are a few kind of like uh, things we usually screen through with a patient. Number one, herb anticoagulant. Not many people know that certain drug they are taking or supplement they are taking has potential serious complication. Among them are Ginseng, mm-hmm. ginkgo, palsam, colisep. Colisep is one of the most potent anticoagulants where it causes excessive bleeding. And uh, the other of course, ginkgo bilova. We would require them to stop at least a week before and not to take uh, for the next two, three weeks because of potential uh, risk of bleeding. Mm-hmm. Second thing is that by adding on the herb. And one common thing where the public like to take is antioxidant in terms of supplement mm-hmm. or one way or another or high dose of vitamin C. When you use chemo drug, chemo drug cure the tumour by the oxidative effect. If you take antioxidant, practically you are neutralising the chemo drug. Yeah. So we advise them no any form of antioxidant one week before until the completion of your treatment exercise. That's very common among the, the people. Here, the oncologist or the interventional radiologist may deliver this toxic uh, chemotherapeutic drug in you know, the tumor, try to control tumor. They go home, they take antioxidant to neutralize it. <laughs> One more thing I always advise the patients that diet control is very important. For the Malaysian, I don't know about Thailand, they go back, i.e., ama, akong, apo, we say, oh, <laughs> take. Is dangerous. Oh, yes. Chicken meat is dangerous. For us, we, like, we call it the
1: pantang, you know, yes. the taboos. Yeah.
2: Contradictory to that, when we do this procedure, we really need to support the liver with enough dose of protein. Mm-hmm. If you do not take enough protein and a balanced diet, the liver will fail. So I always advise them, to listen to me, not the AEAP or AMAR, that a very simple formula I Prescribed to them is 2 8 in the morning, 2 8 in the evening for wow. the next two weeks. I see. Three cups of meals a day and plenty of fish. Okay, that actually helps a lot of patients. And there's a very simple formula where they don't know to scratch their What should I take to supplement my protein? One <laughs> mm-hmm. more thing I have to emphasize that if you have hepatitis B, you really need to take your antiviral drug as prescribed by your gastroenterologist and hepatologist. With the addition or perhaps start of the antiviral drug, we see a total change in the landscape where the patient has much lower incidence of recurrent as pre- compared before. Previously, in 1990, when this drug are not available, every case we treat, within three months, we see a few more coming up. And a lot of them flare very fast with the addition of antiviral drugs. And the important bit is to suppress the background hepatitis and the uh, disease activity. The moment the hepatitis go into the, the uh, uh, quite turned down, the incidence of recurrence is much less, and the survival will be much better in terms of the preservation of liver function. This is very, very important. Yeah. And please don't go and ask these IAPA uh, yeah, or other <laughs> complementary uh, uh, medical provider, giving things which may complicate your issue.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm sure everybody shares the same opinion. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, the danger uh, a lot of the supplements are actually damaging our liver function isn't it i think to wrap up if i could get from each of you um, a takeaway message uh, because at the end of the day um, no matter what the advancements are like taste um, their effect is optimal only if like you've said you know you have you still have enough liver function, um, your tumour is not too large. So I think I want to uh, zoom out and get a takeaway message on the bigger picture. Prof. Nucha, um, what would you advise people when it comes to early detection of liver cancer?
0: Even though uh, the treatment nowadays is more advanced and we can like effectively control the tumour much more better than before and we can make it better over time, but still... If you come to us early with an early stage, is the key uh, of success of the treatment and long-term prognosis. So if you are in high risk of uh, liver cancer from uh, hepatitis, viral hepatitis, B, C, fatty liver, alcoholic consumption, you may have to check your health. Uh, blood test is not enough. You have to have an ultrasound check of your upper abdomen and liver regularly. That is the key of... Uh,
1: the treatment success in terms
2: of the patient perspective. Dr. Alex? Well, I fully agree with Prof. Nuja. Early detection uh, would come with this routine screening. Uh, generally, a lot of patients go for the routine medical takeout and uh, I would say a large proportion just have a blood test and basic mm-hmm. physical examination and test X-ray. Some may have an ultrasound being done. Uh, a few essential points here is that in the liver cancer, 50% of them, it doesn't show on a blood test. A lot of patients come with a huge tumor, but the alpha protein, the tumor marker, are normal. I see. So it boils down to diagnostic imaging, which means that a good modality is uh, ultrasound being done with a good quality image, good ultrasound machine. Not those, uh, the, those low range when you can't see very well, especially in the presence of fatty liver or liver cirrhosis where it's practically very hard to pick up early cancer. I see. It has to be done with a high-end ultrasound system, if possible, by a trained operator. In those high-risk groups, a lot of times, perhaps ultrasound is not enough, so we really need to go for the next level, either MRI, abdomen, or CT scan. Again, I was emphasised that it's also protocol dependent. We have seen a lot of very disappointing image quality, which cannot make a diagnosis. Similarly, MRI, you really need a good and proper equipment to look at liver very clearly. So get it done in a proper centre.
1: Thank you so much. I've been speaking today to Dr. Alex Tang, consultant vascular and interventional radiologist from Subang Jaya Medical Centre and assistant professor Nucha Pinjaron, interventional radiologist from Chulalongkorn University, Thailand. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind,
2: download the BFM app.